Welcome to Living the Good Life Podcast, where we bring you messages, thoughts, and advice for living the good life. Today's message is brought to us by Brother Larry Dishman. Let's turn over to the book of Luke, in the 16th chapter, begin reading at verse number 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate, full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us, that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. We'd like to speak to you on the contrast between the rich man and Lazarus. Great contrast between the two. Today represents crossroads in the life of some people. If you respond to the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Ghost to lead you, you'll be saved. You will experience a brand new life. If you're lost, you can be saved. If that happens, then not a single day of your life up to this point will matter. You'll get a brand new start with the Lord. This passage is a familiar one. It's concerning the rich man and the poor man. The rich man was lost. He died. He went to hell. The poor man represents a believer. He died. And he went to paradise. This account drives home the truth that there's only two possible destinations for each and every one of us. When we leave this world, only two possible destinations. Now, not everyone believes that. The atheist denies the existence of a literal hell or a literal heaven. And the Jehovah's Witness believe that the grave is hell. The Mormons believe in hell, but they believe that in the end, everyone will be saved, even including those who are in hell. The Seventh-day Adventist believes that lost men go to hell, but they immediately burn up like broom sage. Besides these, there's many, many other different beliefs concerning hell. But what we want to look at is to see exactly what the Bible has to say. You know, 
This is not a parable, as some folks would have us to believe, but this is a bold, clear warning for the people who are lost without God to turn from their sins and be saved by the grace of God. You see, there is a hell for the lost, and there's a heaven for the saved. Which place will you go when you die determines on what you do with Jesus here in this world. What have you done with him up to this point? This is a great contrast. A picture here is painted of some of the differences between the lost man and the saved man. There are three primary areas where these contrasts are plainly visible here in the book of Luke, the 16th chapter, beginning at verse number 19 through 31. And by the grace of God, I want to point these out so we can see from your birth to now makes no difference. What happens from here to eternity is what makes the difference. First of all, we want to contrast their earthly experience. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There's a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. One man lived a bountiful life. Amen. These verses tell us that the rich man enjoyed the best of life himself with no thoughts of the need of his fellow man. He was his own man. He was enjoying this life to the full. And it appears that he was living for the now with no thought about eternity, with no thought about the future, even after his death. If you look in the Word of God, he was still thinking about me. He said, have mercy on me. He was still concerned about himself, not the other millions who was there. Amen. And I want to say certainly there's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing wrong with having material goods. Amen. That's not why this man went to hell. Friend, we find in this passage of Scripture that the reason he went to hell is because he didn't repent. And talking to Abraham concerning his brothers, he come to the realization that he was lost in a devil's hell because he had refused to repent. And that's why people are going to go to hell. Yes, dear ones, I read about another man, a rich young ruler that came to Jesus in the book of Matthew, the 19th chapter, and he started out in verse number 16 by saying, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus began to give him the commandments in the word of God. And he answered in verse number 20, The young man saith unto him, All these have I kept from my youth up. What? Lack I yet. He just lacked one thing. His heart was on his riches. This rich man is pictured as an individual who only cared for himself. He does not care about God. He does not care about the Word of God. He does not care about Lazarus 
who was laid at his gate full of sores. I want you to look at what Proverbs said about something like this in verse number 21. He that despises his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. The Bible also says in Proverbs 14 and verse number 31, he that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. He liveth a good life, but it was a lost life with the rich man. Certainly we should not begrudge the lost individual, amen, that's living for the earthly pleasures and treasures. Friend, if you've made up your mind, you're just going to go the way of the world and you're going to live out to the flesh, well, you better enjoy it because this is the only heaven that you're ever going to experience. Amen. You're definitely not going to God's heaven with a selfish attitude like that. We should rather pity the individual who's living for this life, living for time, and not thinking about eternity. Amen. One man lived a burdened life while the rich man prospered. Lazarus suffered daily. He did not have the riches of this world. He could not afford medical treatment. Friend, he could not afford food to eat. He only had the friends. The only friends that he had was the dogs that came and licked his sores. He was a wretched existence made bearable only by the knowledge that this world's not my home. And sometimes that brings us encouragement, doesn't it? To the people of God, this world is not our home. Thank God we got a better place to go if we've been washed in the blood and walking in the light of God's eternal word. Here Lazarus is pictured as a believer while the lost man of this world live it up and indulge in the lust of the flesh. The redeemed make a conscious decision to separate themselves from this world. Amen. They carry within their hearts the burdens for the very souls of men around them that are perishing. And friend, that's what's happening to those that's around us that's lost without God. They're perishing. Amen. And we're told to rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Jesus is merciful and Jesus will save. Surely none of us have or probably ever will suffer as much as Lazarus did in his life. But if we are living as we should live for the Lord, our lives would appear to be burdensome to those who do not know the Lord. You know, the, the world looks upon us and they feel sorry for us. I feel sorry for them folks having to go to church all the time. And I feel sorry for the way they have to live, but they don't understand we want to live this way. Nobody's making us do these things. It's in our heart to do them. I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me because I've tried the prospects of sin and I found that they all deceive and I found that God's way is best. And I like walking this way. I like living this way. Amen. And thank God it's not a grievous life. Amen. His commandments are not grievous to the child of God. Now, if you just got a profession, it might be grievous for you to do the things that God asks you to do. It's not bondage 
to the child of God. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. I found it so. I found it so. Amen. Amen. I'm not implying that we have it rough. But if you listen to some Christians, you'll think that God died and that there are miserable people. In contrast, I say, we're blessed above all men. Amen. Friend, when you get saved, your priorities will change. Your goals, your aspirations will change. You'll live a life that is remarkably different from those around you. That's because, amen, you're a new creature now. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are become new. There's a great contrast also in their experience. Let's look at this contrast. One man's death was alone. We're told that the rich man, when time ran out for the rich man, death came to claim him. His money, his friends, his family could not go with him through the awful experience of death. His time of living was up. It ended. He died and he was buried. And if things held true, and we know they do, no doubt his family immediately began the process of taking everything that he had left behind for themselves. He didn't take nothing with him. Left every bit of it behind. I can imagine living without God because I did for 18 years. I would never want to do that again. I lived without God for 18 years. Amen? And I can understand why people want to live for the flesh. However, I cannot imagine having to die alone. I can't imagine having to die without God. My mind can't fathom having to die with no grace and no hope. Just utterly, eternally alone, dying without God. Yet that's the experience of every person who leaves this world without Jesus Christ in their heart and life. The only difference is the devil's afraid. Whereas there's lost people today who seemingly have no fear. Amen. You know what the Bible says about the devil? In James 2, 19, Thou believest there's one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Amen. When death comes to claim a lost man, he dies. He's absolutely alone, cut off from the living and the dead with nothing before him but an endless eternity to experience the undiluted wrath of God. That's where every sinner is facing. That's what you're facing. If you're without God, you're facing the undiluted wrath of God. One man's death was attended in contrast when Lazarus died. Look at the difference of the rich man dying and Lazarus dying. Amen. His death was attended by angels. They received him took him to paradise. He did not die alone. Amen. He died in the presence of God. No one may have cared for him in this world. He might not have had a friend in this world. 
Amen. Nobody to care for him. But God was keenly interested in him when he died. And God dispatched angels to conduct him to a place of eternal rest. The saint of God doesn't die alone. Amen. That's why Psalms said in the chapter 116 and verse number 15, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. That's why Proverbs said in the 14th chapter and verse number 32, the wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous have hope in death. Rich men didn't have no hope in death. Amen. The Bible tells me in Romans 14, 8, for whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Notice what the psalmist said in chapter 23 and verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He may be parted from a season from the living, but he goes to be with the one who's redeemed him from his sins. Amen. Just as the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, and verse number 8, we're confident, I say, will and rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Didn't take the thief on the cross long to be present with the Lord. This day, you'll be with me in paradise. Then I want to say there was a great contrast also in their experience. One man, the rich man, immediately found pain. The Bible tells us the rich man went to hell when he died. From all we know about that place, it's far more horrible than we could imagine, far more horrible than anything we could explain about it. But we do know that it is a place of torment according to God's word. Matthew 25, 41 says, then shall he say also to them on his left hand, depart from me, you curse, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Mark and the ninth chapter and verse number 43, he says, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter in light main than having two hands to go into hell into the fire that never shall be quenched. Another thing we find so much different in contrast was the memory he said in Luke chapter 16 to the rich man, Son, remember. Oh, if you could have left that memory in the grave. Now his memory is functioning quite well. And if you, my friend, I hate to say, but if you leave this world unprepared to meet God and you awaken this place, mark it down. Your memory will be accurate. Your memory will be functioning quite well, remembering the times that you said and heard the word of God and stood during the invitation almost persuaded to become a Christian but you allowed some things to hinder you from selling out and going God's way. You'll remember those words of a friend or a relative, a mother, a father, a companion talking to you and reasoning with you about the need of salvation and about the awful consequences if you keep going on in sin. He wanted his brothers to be spared. Oh, away with the thought. When I get there, I'll have lots of company. He had five brothers. When he realized he can't have any water here, 
There's no mercy for me. Every request that I've made has been denied. He said, I tell you what, I've got five brethren. Would you please send Lazarus to go warn my five brethren, lest they also come into this place of torment. But he found out, friend, that was not possible because there's a great gulf fix. Ones can't come back and forth. This gulf is fixed right now. It was fixed 2,000 years ago, and it's going to be fixed throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. Just make sure that you get on the right side of the gulf because you end up, friend, on the wrong side of the gulf. Uh, uh, there's no way of getting back over to the right side. Right now is when we make the choice of which side we're going to be on. Are we going to be with God and the saints of God? Or are we going to that place that the Bible describes here in Luke 16, the place called hell? Here's what the Bible talks about the separation in 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse number 8. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That's what it is, a place of separation. Revelation 21.8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Many people believe that all these truths concerning hell are just symbolic. I got news for you, friend. You had better hope that this is not symbolic. That which is real is always beyond the power of a symbol to convey. If the truth about hell is worse than what I'm sharing with you, then it's awful beyond description. You better pray to God that this is not symbolic. Because if it is, in reality, it'll be far worse than the symbol. Even though what the Bible says about this place is true, it's accurate, we need to know that our ability to explain it, our ability to understand it, our imagination falls far short of what really hell is going to be like. If you're lost, I beg you, Please, don't go there. Be saved. Turn to Jesus before it's too late. On the other hand, Lazarus found peace. While the rich men suffered, Lazarus was at rest. He had ceased from his burdens. He's now free from all of his diseases. He's at peace. Just as surely as hell awaits a lost person, heaven awaits the saved. And everything that hell is, heaven isn't. It's a place free from the cares of this world, from the pain of this world. It's a place of incomparable beauty. It's a place where God himself dwells and where his people will see him face to face. It's a place where sin and sinners and Satan are forever banished. They've never been there and they'll never come there. It's a glorious place that God has prepared for them that love him. It's a place of the redeemed. It's a place the redeemed long to be 
Amen. It's a place that we can call home. What a difference in the experience of these two men. Oh, the contrast of Lazarus and the rich man. Of course, these two men are still represented within the human race. The self-centered rich man is still here, and he's still headed for hell. The saint of God is still here, headed for heaven. Which, which one of these men represent you? This thing is definitely real. Whether you believe it or not, it's real. You will be in eternity in one of the two places that we talked about. You will either go to heaven or you will go to hell, which depends on what you do with Jesus in this life. If you're not saved, remember, there's nothing worth going to hell over. If you want to be saved, you can be if you'll come to him, turning from your sins, repenting of your sin, placing faith in the Son of God as your Savior. Amen. The time of salvation is now. Behold, now is the accepted time. How is it? in your heart and life. Thank you for listening. If you found this message helpful, please share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Messenger, or your favorite social media. If you have questions or suggestions, please message us on Facebook by searching Living the Good Life Show. A big thank you to Sister Rachel Fowler for all of her editing expertise. Until next time, keep living the good life.